Good evening, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. With me for what already promises to be a disaster of a show, from Rock, Paper, Shotgun, <laughs> uh, Quentin Smith. Quins, thank hey. you for uh, coming to help salvage this. It is a pleasure to be here. I don't know what you'd do if you were all alone. I suppose you'd be uh, talking to yourself, and that would be awful. It, it's only a matter of time before we have a show like that, if things keep up the way they are. <laughs> Uh, but I'm glad you could make it at least. Uh, Troy Goodfellow was scheduled to be here, but apparently he had theater tickets. And mm-hmm. so I guess we know where his priorities are, listeners. Well, I suppose. Uh, is uh, is Troy a fan of Tower Defense? You know, I'm not sure I'm not sure that he is, but recently he, he wrote a piece on Anomaly Wars on Earth uh, that was that was very complimentary and that's what kind of what that's one of the things that caught my attention is that this you know, Troy's not someone I consider a, a big Tower Defense fan, but here is a game that really you grabbed his fancy, and that got me thinking, you know, between that and your uh, What I Think on Sanctum, hmm. it got me interested in the subject. Yeah, well, it is it is a funny one, because, uh, I mean, you mentioned wanting to do a piece on this because, uh, you know, partially because Tower Defense has kind of a bad name, and, and I think it's quite clear where that comes from, because, you know, it is a genre with its roots in freeware and, you know, sort of casual browser games. But, um, you know, I was thinking that perhaps the hurdle that uh, strategy gamers need to get over is to stop thinking of it as a genre and start thinking of it uh, just as a mechanic, you know? And Warzone, um, uh, you know, Anomaly Warzone Earth uh, kind of proves that, I think. As does Sanctum. Right, now, I, I kind of wanted to start with Sanctum because it's it's such an interesting game. I was just, I was just playing it uh, today before the show. You know, I, I haven't had a chance to get to it until just now. Um... So for listeners who who aren't familiar with it, it's a first-person tower defense game, and uh, Quince, do you want to explain a bit of how it works and how it sort of ramps up? Sure. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one. So it's not um, quite necessarily just a, a tower defense game wherein you build towers, and also a first-person game where a first-person shooter where you're expected to help those towers along with a selection of guns because. Um, the two the two sides of the game actually meld together quite nicely because those towers that you're building, uh, they're actually your walkways on which you're expected to sort of uh, walk around and and shoot down at enemies. So really, you're kind of building yourself a, a castle as much as a sort of gutter for enemies to run through, which is uh, which is interesting. It means you have to sort of add a new um, dimension to your design. Uh, so yes, uh, Sanctum is a game wherein uh, <laughs> I should probably make this clear. Uh, you're given a level, it's usually quite blank, uh, with perhaps a few ramps, and in building towers you sort of uh, force enemies down certain routes. And then you're expected to get in and sort of get down and dirty with your towers and uh, equip your guns and uh, help uh, where the towers sort of are lacking, you know, help pop those monsters to get through. Right, and one of the things I find really challenging, especially, I mean, especially after playing a game like Anomaly, which, you know, has a very gentle difficulty curve. Yeah, sure. Uh, what, 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 caught me off, what caught me off guard with sanctum is that there you are you're very resource restricted like i constantly felt like you know making the choice between upgrading a set of towers or upgrading one of my weapons that that my character carries these were very important choices and the, the problem is you know to to neglect to, to neglect one even slightly would spell disaster so it's constantly about hitting this this perfect balance between your ability to have an impact on the uh, you know creeps coming to the level, and then making sure that your maze is deadly enough. Well, that's kind of the nut of tower defense, isn't it? I mean, it's it's really it's it's not necessarily a genre about about building these uh, these you know fantastic designs. It's also just really, I think, at a simpler level, it's just about deciding what to spend your money on, and uh, and that that can be you know like an agonizing decision, especially because. 
you know, you have that, that sort of uh, dead time wherein you spend your money and you don't know whether you've made the right choice and you have that tension where the creeps are coming and, and you don't know whether what you've invested in is, is going to work or just going to fail miserably, which is interesting. And yeah, with the guns, it's, uh, it gives you sort of an extra uh, axis. On... Well, actually, the interesting thing about the guns really is that um, they sort of add breadth to the game because, you know, if you choose to invest in guns rather than towers, that isn't necessarily a failure. It's just going to mean you have to play differently, if you see what I mean. I do. Um, although I did find that gun upgrades tend to be really expensive, so you, you definitely you definitely need to make sure that the monsters are being sort of sapped enough by the maze yeah. so that you can so that you can be delivering the killing shots what the the nightmare scenario i found myself a lot uh, yeah during I, I found myself experiencing a lot while i was playing is uh, frantically chasing monsters through my maze trying to kill them before they could reach the uh, <laughs> reach the no, goal yeah. like i covered that a bit in the review it was um it's that beautiful moment where i mean you're normally you're playing a tower defense game and the, and the creeps get through your maze and uh and then that's kind of it. You just have to sort of watch them walk. In this, you you can wedge yourself between, uh, you know, their target, and you can wedge them, uh, wedge yourself between the target and them, and and just spray and pray and just try and be that last stopgap. And you know, usually it doesn't work, but it still gives you that sort of moment of satisfaction that, well, at least I tried, you know, which is uh, which is really important, especially so when the game later introduces enemies that can't really be hurt by your turrets and can only be hurt by you, and you are expected to kill them and do exactly that. It's uh, it's interesting. I think it's just a. I find it kind of a more sort of emotive experience than tower defense in general. You know, it's you really do feel like you are there and you are struggling. You know, sort of on the front lines, which I think is exactly what they were aiming for. That's that's interesting. So so you find yourself, you find a more emotive experience. I, yeah, I, I feel like ordinarily, you know, tower defense gives you that that aerial camera and you feel quite detached from everything. In this, you know, it feels more like being a soldier on the front line of some completely bizarre war where you have to drop cubes to uh, to stop the enemy getting you know progressing it's um yeah and plus you know you have that experience of being down on the ground and actually seeing the waves of enemies approach you know yeah i think it's a much more emotive experience and i, I found myself you know getting sort of really worked up and um you know just that fear you know especially so on the later levels when you really have to run right up to where the enemies spawn and watch them start pouring out of holes so you can be shooting the entire time uh that's really kind of what sold me i think uh, how how are you feeling after your sort of initial playthroughs what what are your impressions so far well i mean my my first impression was there was a part of me that damned the inconvenience of being at ground level and trying to design design my defenses uh you you don't like you don't have a quite a perfect view uh that that i've that i've become accustomed to in this genre where you know i can perfectly plot out what's going to happen i had to i had to do i had to, I had to spend a lot more time sort of like walking the ground and getting a sense for how the level would flow uh they do have an overhead view but it's just it's the perspective is a little bit a little bit off and it's just it's it doesn't really it doesn't really quite let me adjust it as much as I would like. So my first reaction was a bit of frustration just because of the unfamiliarity of it, I think. Um, but what really struck me is when, when I when I first started playing, I, I, I took, you know, I went to a great deal of trouble to create sort of this, you know, classically efficient maze, right? Where, you know, the monsters would have to walk the maximum distance to get to the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really kind of thought that would be enough. And I figured that, my character, uh, you know, with the three guns, the uh, freeze ray, the sniper rifle, and the, the machine gun, uh, I, I figured that my character's job would just be to sort of, 
you know, clean up after whatever the turrets didn't didn't deal with. <laughs> right. So the the first wave that that worked beautifully, and then the second wave, there's this. You know, my stomach gives the sickening lurch as I watch these these monsters go like blitzing past my most heavily defended section. You know, right there at the entrance of the level, they just all go flying past. The mm-hmm. I don't have enough weapons. They don't shoot fast enough, and. You know, then I realize I've I've completely I've completely screwed myself because my machine gun doesn't deal enough damage to to kill them all. So it it, it turned into this frantic sort of like merry chase through through my own maze, <laughs> trying to kill these things at every corner. And then and of co- the real problem with that, of course, is that um, all of the monsters have weak spots, but only ever on their front. So you know, you're, the player is uh, is rewarded for standing still and just shooting at enemies as they walk past. If you're chasing enemies, you know, in a sort of traditional, well, what you might expect to be a traditional FPS style, you know, the game really sort of punishes you for that. You're it's you're expected to have you know to have built your walkways and be teleporting around and, and using your maze as a sort of um, gantry to shoot down at monsters. It's it just I find it I'd call Sanctum a success purely because you know as I mentioned before it's not just an FPS you know sort of bolted onto a tower defense game. Uh, you know, the two halves, you know, are, are really linked, you know, you absolutely can't leave one of them behind. And that's especially true towards um, the later game. If you stick with it, you're going to have some incredible headaches to when uh, when some of the other monster types start showing up. And on the final level in particular, you have to have, comp- you have, to have built this sort of, you know, really perfect maze. And uh, as well as, you know, being a bit of a, of a marksman, you know, there are, there are some monster waves which uh, your turrets can't hurt. And you are expected to hit with you know nine out of ten bullets with a sniper rifle. It's it's really really tough. Yeah, I'm already I'm already leaning very heavily on that sniper rifle just because there's <laughs> no, the, there's really no weapon that matches its stopping power, and that seems to be the most. That's that's the one thing that my turrets seem to to lack consistently is that you know in every tower defense game there's that sort of monster turret you can you can upgrade to right the one that mm-hmm. you know sits there at a at a U bend in your maze and just kills every last thing. Yeah, it, it Sanctum's kind of cruel in that it really doesn't have that, you know. Right, you, that, like you're the closest thing, and the problem I is you're not, that's it. You know, you are it. Yeah, but but the problem is, of course, you're not you're not a perfect tower that's going to hit with every round. Like if you're if you're starting to panic, you'll just watch these things. You know, your shots fly wide, and you're waiting for the you know ammo to cycle, and you've just you know you you've lost because you missed. It wasn't mm-hmm. a question of you know building the building the maze. It was just a failure of your own execution. Uh, which yeah, is it, something it, nothing it, in the genre has. You know, uh, you reminded me of uh, one of my uh, one of my favorite moments uh, talking about um you know the frustration of being on the ground and having that first person camera. Um, I uh, I can't tell you how many times you know I built like what I thought was this perfect maze. You know, I'm, I'm running along the walls and I'm looking and thinking, oh yeah, a cube there, and then a machine gun tower here, and then on the third level you get slow plates as well. You know, plates you can put on the floor that slow monsters down, and they can be upgraded, and that adds a whole you know extra side of the game. But um. And I'd build this this perfect fort, and then you know the monsters would come, and they would just go running like through a gap in it, which I did not realize was there because you know you, the first person camera is not you know great for building. You want that aerial view, and uh, the game I think I, I'd like to think the developers kind of delight in in forcing players to think that much harder about. Hang on, wait, monsters could get through there, and having to run over and, and wedge it closed. It dawned on me, actually, there's a kind of um, Minecraft side of things, because you are just dropping these cubes, and there's a real satisfaction there. Did you get that? You know, just listening to talk, I, be- I began thinking, it-, it did begin to remind me of-, of Minecraft. I don't know, I mean, perhaps it's a stretch comparison, but I mean, 
there are more games now where you where you are constructing things, you know, things that you've classically done from a very top-down RTS perspective. Now now you're sort of experiencing these worlds you used to create from that from that god's eye view. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, no, I, I I I like Sanctum a lot, and I, I'm just I suppose I'm wondering now, you know, it, you play Sanctum and it's it's difficult to imagine uh, somebody having that kind of um, bias against tower defense games and then applying that to Sanctum once they've played it. Because really, I mean, it, it, I mean, you tell me, does it feel like a sort of a casual game? You know, does it feel like it's not, you know, tactically quite deep? Honestly, I mean, my tastes, I think, run a bit closer to Tim Stone's in, in many ways. So. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it definitely doesn't, it doesn't feel like... It doesn't feel like the sort of throwaway experience that I think kind of gave tower defense games a bad name. Mm, yeah, and I suppose it doesn't help that you know d- two massive uh, tower defense games. You know, you've got Defense Grid: The Awakening and, and Plants vs Zombies. You know, two huge titles in uh, tower defense that are you know quite, quite uh, sort of quite throwaway. I would say. I, I suppose it's the intensity of Sanctum that makes me think it's something more. It. Uh, God, you know, it, it it really is. I do find it so dramatic to be standing there with my turrets and, and to be, you know, f- firing down on these enemies. Just, I, mean, I suppose it's just the difficulty, you know, as much as anything else. Well, I, I think that's, I think that is one of the problems with, with the genre is, or at least has been a problem with the genre. I mean, we're, we're talking about how it's evolving and Sanctum's a perfect example of that. But one problem with a lot of tower defense games is that, well, you take a game like Defense Grid, you know, many of those levels require almost no creativity or insight on your part at all. Yeah, uh, the, I'd say the entire first half of the game, like the maze is already plotted. All you have to do is not be an idiot, and you will, <laughs> you know you will build the roadblocks they've clearly envisioned. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know. It's um, it, and yet there is there is that satisfaction there. You know, you know my own personal problem with um with the genre is kind of in- inarguable in that so often when I'm playing tower defense games, I I just I feel like I'm wasting my time. It's that sense that, you know, you're not even necessarily doing a puzzle. You're just sort of like painting by numbers. Yes. You know roughly what turret should go where and and it's just a matter of putting them down. You know, I'll tell you a, a, a tower defense game that I really enjoyed was um, uh, Pixel Junk uh, Monsters on uh, on the PS3. Did you try that? Uh, no, I did not. I was, you know, I was not a console owner when the when that was uh, when that was really popular and I haven't gotten around to it. And, well, oh, oh. obviously I can't do it now. <laughs> yeah uh no it's it's um i don't know it, it it manages to get around that problem i was talking about of feeling purposeless just by having an emphasis on co-op uh the turrets can only be placed where your character is standing and it's got this top-down perspective and so you have to have characters who you have to say to your co-op partner you go over over to you know that side of things and cover the turrets over there and you upgrade that one and i'll be down here because your characters move so slowly that that you're forced to coordinate which you know it's, I suppose, to take a really, you know, negative view, it, it does feel like a genre that, that, with every game, has to prove itself to not just be a tower defense game, which isn't, which, it, which is a hell of a hurdle for a, for a, you know, a game to overcome. You know, you have to prove yourself as, as unique and, and worthwhile from the off. You know, you started this out by saying that we shouldn't, we shouldn't be thinking of it as a genre, but perhaps mechanic, and I definitely, I definitely would prefer to think of it that way. But yeah. the the problem I run up against is that there are relatively few games that have done really interesting things with this mechanic uh, that have that have gone beyond reskinning it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, like Defense Grid, I would say is is a great tower defense game. It is a great example of what the uh, of what tower defense games classically are. But exactly. that's also its downfall. 
<laughs> yeah, because, uh, you know, it, it does... It doesn't really offer... I mean, you, you finish Defense Grid. Like, I, I, I finished Defense Grid and I was relieved uh, because I didn't have to play it anymore. Uh, they are fundamentally just a really addictive creation, you know, just watching your uh, your defenses rip apart enemies with sort of very little input from you. Well, I, I think that right there is a big part of their appeal, and, it, and I think it's one thing that a lot of strategy games kind of fail to deliver is... Tower defense games are celebrations of spectacle. It's about watching war machines and killing machines, well, destroy things, um, you know, in often quite a, quite a spectacular fashion. Um, and, you know, if you, if you play a lot of strategy games, there's, you're, you're often so distracted by trying to put out, you know, a hundred different fires that you don't ever get to really watch and enjoy the view of your creations, you know, kicking ass. I think that's a really interesting point. I, I'm, I mean, I'm just remembering that, that that very brief moment you get during a uh, Total War games where you know your forces have clashed and there is finally nothing for you to do but watch, which is you know p- potentially very painful if uh, if you're in a bad situation. But it can be just really thrilling. But it only lasts for just this fleeting moment. Right. I mean, yeah, Total War is a perfect example. Like before the battle begins, everyone zooms the camera down real close to watch the you know, <laughs> the serried lines march past the camera, and then you watch your cavalry ride down the fleeing cowards. And those are your two moments where you get to really enjoy the spectacle of the game, unless you're watching a replay. The rest yeah. of the time, you're flicking between hot, you know, hot keys and trying to you know avert disaster. And I think that you know it's it's a brilliant looking game. But you you know you rarely get to you really, you rarely get to enjoy the way that looks. The the same goes for Company of Heroes, right? Mm. You know, years ago, where you know marvelously detailed, and yet the pacing is so frantic that you you hardly ever get to enjoy that. Yeah, no, Company of Heroes was ridiculous. You always need to be looking somewhere else if you if you are staring at one unit. You know, you are making a mistake. I felt the same way about because uh, I tried to get quite into StarCraft two recently and. Uh, and failed for very different reasons to what we're talking about. But yeah, that was it was a worse case of what of what we're discussing than anything I've ever encountered. You know, you just constantly need to be looking elsewhere, thinking about your next move. You really cannot sit back and uh, and just enjoy the game uh, ever, really. Right, and so I, I think that's kind of where the where a lot of these tower defense games have sort of stepped in. Is that I think there's a lot of people, and you know, at times I'm definitely one of them where i just don't want to deal with the pacing and the you know mental demands of a you know of an intense strategy game uh but i but i do uh the the sociopathic part of me i guess is is you know still wants to watch shit die um (laughs) and the tower defense genre is there to to deliver on that you know without much input i can just watch these you know you create these you know you create these elaborate little death dungeons and you know watch them watch them work it's it's like a game it's like mousetrap yeah it's you know you are building this engine which uh, and then it's very satisfying to see that engine you know just operate you know because you've had such a hand in constructing it but uh we, we mentioned um uh, ai war before the show which is uh basically uh, the sort of the the game which proves everything we're saying, you know, uh, about tower defense, just completely wrong. It's uh, it is the absolute opposite of what we're saying. It is a tower defense game that requires well, it is loosely a tower defense game that requires uh, incredible input, uh, is very stressful, and gives you very little time to sort of just watch and uh, enjoy what's going on. Uh, for I suppose um, any uh, have you uh, are you aware of much? Uh, are you aware? <laughs> Do you know much about uh, AI War, Rob? 
Uh, not nearly as much as I would like. I, it's one of those games I bought, but the, the trouble I've always had is finding the people to play it with. Uh, yeah. That is not a problem you've had, I understand. <laughs> My problem, I, I have people to play it with. I don't have the time to play it. It's funny, us, the guys at Rock, Paper, Shotgun have sat down to play AI War, AI War multiple times. And uh, we know it's a long game. We know that a game of AI War can potentially take eight hours. But something doesn't click, you know. We don't realize that eight hours is the amount of time we spend, you know, reviewing certain games. Uh, and we just, it's so difficult to find that amount of time to uh, to dedicate to this. Um, for anyone not aware, AI War is a a very, very interesting uh, indie game uh, put out by Arkin Games, uh, an American developer, I think. Who uh, it, It's a, uh, a very asymmetrical strategy game uh, set in uh, outer space where the players are taking on an AI and uh, it's you're expected to expand and gather resources on a, on a ridiculous scale, taking over, you know, system after system after system, uh, controlling thousands of ships of hundreds of different types. It's, it's the most maximalist strategy game, I think, potentially in existence right now. And, uh, and the twist is that the AI fights back uh, harder and harder depending on how hard you push it, how many systems you take. So it's about not taking all the systems. It's about not battling the AI. It's about sort of picking your fights and then trying to hit hard and fast. And it's very, very unique. Now, what's to stop you from just sort of hanging out in a few core systems and then expanding very slowly so that the AI doesn't swamp you? Well, that's that's kind of what everybody has to try and do. But uh, you have a limit on the number of ships you can have uh, depending on each system. And each system has very limited resources. And also the AI is building ships very slowly from the start. So okay, it's, so, you, so you plateau? Uh, yes, very much so. And eventually you will be destroyed. Because, okay, uh, to clarify the, the mechanics of it, um, the AI is constantly leveling up, shall we say, and uh, you need to beat the rate it's leveling up. However, as you try and improve uh, your own situation, you will make it level up faster. You need to scout systems and see what's there. Uh, then you need to pick the best sort of system which you could possibly attack and go for that. Uh, I say all this not having the most experience with AI war, but this is roughly how it works. And it's a tower defense game in the sense that uh, you are a human being and you cannot possibly keep your eye on hundreds of systems, so you have to drop ships or, or build static defenses around wormholes uh, just purely because you can't be looking at them all the time. So you have to sort of build defenses around these uh, choke points and while you're going about your, uh, your business. So it's sort of a tower defense uh, sub-game that's been built into an RTS or a, even a sort of uh, a grand strategy game. I mean, how, how integral are these defenses? How elaborate can you make these fortifications around wormholes? Well, I don't know if well, uh, I don't know if you can necessarily uh, be elaborate with them. You can be elaborate in the the sort of ships you choose to put down. Uh, this is where we're really rubbing up against my inexperience here. But right. um, it's the kind of thing. It's this is the sort of thing that makes me think that that we might be better off thinking of uh, tower defense as a mechanic. You know, this idea of because I mean, if we start thinking about tower defense more in terms of just building defences, in terms of building walls and fortifications. Because I'd say it's quite a fine line between, say, uh, I don't know, designing, say, a castle in a game like um, Stronghold and de designing, you know, an, an effective uh, sort of gauntlet that enemies have to run through in any tower defence game. See, Stronghold is a game I wanted to bring up, and I wish Troy were here because I, I think he's... I don't think he likes the Stronghold games, but I think Hope Springs Eternal for him with the Stronghold series. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I've never played any of them. Uh, have you Are you have you played much with the uh, Stronghold games? I really haven't. Uh, my experience is very, very limited, and the last time I played the Stronghold game was um, six, seven years ago. And they're not entirely games about uh, designing defenses. They're sort of, I suppose, better compared to... Um, 
village or town building games that have a very strong um, uh, focus on building the walls around your town and uh, building a garrison and so forth. You know, the, the, I've always seen like the stronghold games sort of treated more as like castle simulators, right? Like, you know, you your job is to make sure that everything about the castle is running smoothly. It's you know, you're playing sim castle to some extent. Yeah, sure. Uh, and but there is still that 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 sense that you do need to design, you know, effective walls and choose where your defenses go. I gather, and uh, in that sense, that uh, you know, there's a it's a small leap from that into say designing, you know, a, a game which purely focuses on fortification and and defense design, and then leaping from that to tower defense. It, it, it just strikes me that any any strategy game that, uh, like, say, any strategy game that would give the player the tools to build their own defenses would essentially be, could learn a lot from the tower defense genre and implement sort of tower defense elements into their game. Say, building static defenses in something like Supreme Commander. I mean, how much does that have in common with, with tower defense? It's, it all can get quite I would quite say hazy. quite a bit. Right, I'm not sure. Uh, and I, you know, I really don't know why I'm sticking up for tower defense quite as much as I am because, uh, because God, you know, I, I really hate to see myself uh, playing, you know, some of the more casual experiences out there. But uh, I suppose it's just me wanting to stick up for uh, for the underdog here, and because you know, Sanctum has kind of invigorated my love of the genre a little bit. I I, I share a lot of the frustrations with with the tower defense genre, and yet, I mean, I, I will admit that it's one of those one of those. You know, these are these are games that I often find myself sort of guiltily playing. Uh, I mean, you know, Defense Grid was certainly a, a game that just swallowed up like a day and a half. Uh, yeah, you know, never to return. Just... But it was <laughs> while I was playing it, I was having fun. I haven't gone back. It's it's really frustrating. I'm not sure. And it, do you think that this is a long term thing, or do you think this is this is a fad? Because uh, fa- I don't think it's a fad at all. No. I think if it, I think if it were a fad, it would it would be done by now. It it would ha- it would have been finished. I think, I mean, this is this is what has me so interested is these these evolutions, you know, these these twists to the formula. You know, I, I I sort of, you know, I hope that somehow they're going to begin sort of learning from each other and adding up until we see really satisfying strategy games that employ these sort of addictive, satisfying mechanics we see in tower defense games. It's true. Oh, God, what was I playing recently, which was a sort of um, dungeon-building game where you had to uh, sort of spawn monsters. Was it Dungeons? uh, I I did play Dungeons, but uh, that wasn't what I was thinking of. But um, Dungeons is, I suppose, not an interesting, if not particularly good, example of uh, of tower defense. Uh, Did you play it? I did. I you know I rather liked it. Uh, I probably gave it an excessively positive review. If I'm being entirely honest, it was one of those <laughs> things where it was sort of a, I was tricked. I think by my own low expectations and thought this is yeah this is damn good. Uh, <laughs> but no, I you know I, I I really enjoyed sort of decorating my dungeon. I enjoyed the 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 sort of meta commentary in the game on like on level design, right, where you're luring these, these uh, you know, stand-ins for RPG players, you're luring them deeper and deeper with, you know, light sources, cool stuff that they can look at. Uh, I, I really enjoyed sort of this, the, this uh, you know, the trail of bread, breadcrumbs of it. Yeah, I, I think what frustrated me, I mean... <laughs> I think I loved everything about Dungeons except the... Uh, I, lo- I love the idea, I love, you know, I, I even kind of loved the art, and uh, yeah, I love decorating my dungeon. I, I pretty much loved everything except for the actual game, uh, because <laughs> it wasn't... It didn't feel... Um, it just didn't feel that well thought out or that well implemented, really. It, 
it felt like a sort of very rough code that had sort of been elbowed out of the door. And and oh no, go ahead. No, well, I mean the the problem I the problem I had with it is that I didn't feel the game really gave me enough incentive to build a really good dungeon or really helped mm. me to do that. Like if it said you wanted to make sure that the uh, th- these characters who came in, these heroes, you wanted to make sure they were satisfied by treasure, monster slaying, magic, whatever. Um, but the trouble is, it didn't really matter if they were satisfied or not because you were killing so many of them that you would still get the soul energy you needed to build up your dungeon. Yeah, I think what frustrated me was unlike something like I mean, let's pick an example out of the air. Unlike Dungeon Keeper, um, uh, I found that the game was so challenging, and that I really wish that I could sort of um, peel back, uh, you know, the, the all the uh, the visual sort of um, flair of it, and just learn some more hard and fast rules as to precisely how close to heroes have to be to something to get, start getting attracted by, you know, uh, how what odds do these monsters have in a fight against them because i was i was unable to read that and i was losing uh, you know i was losing levels and i couldn't I, the game wasn't telegraphing precisely what i should be doing i felt really frustrated by contrast uh have you tried um the uh, holy invasion of privacy badman games on the psp no i have not well they're a very very interesting thing they are uh, similar to what um dungeons does uh it's a it's a uh, side-on game with uh, showing uh, just a lot of dirt, really, to begin with. And at the very top of the screen, you can see sort of like um, a horizontal plane, which represents uh, sort of the overground. And you have to tunnel out a dungeon by digging downwards. And uh, in the course of your digging, you will uh, encounter sort of mold. And by tunneling out this mold, you can create a slime. If you let slimes walk around, slimes will carry this mold to other places. And if a lot of mold concentrates in one place, you can dig out, say, a fairy. Fairies, uh, when they cast spells and invading heroes, they'll infuse surrounding squares with magic. And if you tap out magic squares, you can get even different, more different monsters. And the idea is that you have to build an ecosystem just from tapping rocks away. An ecosystem that's powerful enough to deflect heroes when they try and get in the dungeon. And uh, I raise it as, as an example because it's sort of... Um, uh, it's kind of inverted tower defense because in a way that um, Anomaly Warzone Earth uh, isn't. Uh, in that... Um, you're not rather than putting towers down, you're creating defenses by removing obstacles. So the uh, inevitable end game of every game of uh, Holy Invasion of Privacy, Badman, is that you have tunneled out so much dirt in an effort to try and get monsters that uh, the heroes end up walking through this enormous open cavern towards you, avoiding all of your monsters, uh, which is interesting. But should we talk about uh, Anomaly Warzone Earth? I think we should a bit. <clears throat> so have you have you had a chance to play it? I have previewed it. Uh, I haven't actually played it yet. You know, for for listeners who might not be aware, so Anomaly of Warzone Earth is, I mean, basically it's it's not a tower defense game at all, really, because you are playing the part of the creeps, I guess. Sure. Uh, you are. I mean, it's it's instead of a tower defense game, it's it's perhaps more of a convoy defense game. Um, you are you are t- you are steering. Uh, near future military vehicles and you know APCs um you know combat walkers you are steering through uh urban you know urban city streets with you know that have been uh you know destroyed by an alien invasion and these aliens have uh you know rather mystifyingly built towers everywhere <laughs> uh rather than Where just- did they get that idea I don't those those crazy aliens god uh they they must have survived defense grid and uh yeah. and come to earth for payback um so you are you are 
you were you you control your convoy's route and you try to get it to flow through the enemy's defenses uh, without getting wiped out, and you know so that's that's the first twist. And the other twist is that you have a little avatar running alongside the convoy who can do things like pop a smoke screen, and that causes enemy towers to shoot less accurately. He can create a decoy that draws fire. Uh, he can repair uh, your your convoy as it, as it moves along. It's it's an interesting twist in the formula, and the game the game looks great. Uh, it's got this this wonderful sort of top down like you know satellite view of this convoy moving through uh, through the city. If you if you've ever watched like Black Hawk Down, uh, it's sort of like the view from the command tent while the uh, convoy is moving through uh, Mogadishu. So I mean it's it's a very cool concept. It's 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 very novel, uh, but I'm beginning to get that. That icky, familiar feel that that familiar feeling of vague contempt that tower defense games often get, <laughs> leave me with. Okay, now hang on, I have a question because uh, before before um, the, the horror set in uh, as to what you were playing, uh, did you feel satisfied in in the same manner as uh, with the tower defense game? Because if you did, what I'm thinking is that um, that doesn't make a great deal of sense because we 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 thought we'd just come up to a conclusion before that. Uh, Tower Defense games were satisfying because you build this engine and you sit back and you watch it work. Whereas uh, what Warzone Earth, uh, you know, uh, was from what I saw and what you just described is that, you know, you are actually working really hard and you're not building an engine, you're just protecting a convoy. If it was satisfying in the same way, that would mean, well, that we're missing something here. Yeah, hmm. And now I have to resist the urge to automatically defend the position so that I don't sort of undo what we agreed upon earlier. Um <laughs> You know, but I, I'm honestly not sure it was satisfying on the same way. I think the action... It, it, Go on. Oh, I was just going to say... Well, I mean, it, it does look like it would be satisfying purely just as a sort of uh, quite glossy arcade game, you know, sort of uh, dropping uh, decoys and and, uh, and directing fire and, and directing your convoy down different paths. It does look satisfying. It just does look like it would be uh, sort of entertaining in a sort of um, similar lightweight way. So I have, I'm not sure I've necessarily trapped us uh, and proved that what we said before was meaningless. I think I think what's interesting in in Anomaly is the pleasure comes from subverting the defenses. That's mm. that's the inversion. Is you have been put in, you've been dropped into a death maze, uh, but there are gaps in it. There are weak points in it. There are ways you can change the convoy's route, and the pleasure then is avoiding the death traps that have sort of been laid for you, and finding the best way through you know through the ambushes and. Uh, and yet, also destroying these destroying these towers along the way. So I think, I think to to a degree that that is the pleasure. It is the subversion of these engines that we 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 create in tower defense games. Yeah, uh, these sort of like perfect machines of just like simple death, and then avoiding them and just sort of navigating them it does sound like it would be uh, like it would be enjoyable. Right. Where where I run to where I run to problems is it just I'm. You know, I'm only, I think, halfway through the campaign, or you know, hopefully even less. Uh, but you know, I, I feel like I, I feel like I learned all the tricks I needed to know in the first, you know, two levels in the first, you know, 15 minutes I was playing the game. And since then, all I've had to do is repeat that. And maybe it's slightly more difficult, but not not enough, not enough that I feel like I'm learning new skills or playing the game appreciably better. Well, see, this is this is kind of where I'd, I'd like to just uh, jump back to Sanctum here, because that was something I really did like about Sanctum, was that, you know, on the first level, uh, you know, just like you said, you know, you think you have a hang of it, and then you get your ass beat down, and, um, and you realize, hang on, I'm playing this wrong. 
And then you perhaps build a better design and you, you, you know, you fight and you rip and tear your way through the first level. And on the second level, you know, you're introduced with new enemies and new towers and you have to learn the whole thing again. Not only that, uh, the level is wide open so you can build whatever path you want, so that feels fresh. And then the third level pulls the rug out from under you by being so ridiculously tough that you need to start doing this, uh, this fascinating weapon juggling. Whereby, because you know how um, the sniper rifle and freeze gun and machine gun that you have uh, sort of don't really reload. They actually just enter long cooldown periods. Right. Well... Uh, those cooldown periods continue even if the weapon isn't equipped. So the only way you can get through the third level is by, you know, taking out your sniper rifle, taking some pot shots, then while that's cooling down, you swip to the freeze gun, you fire that right down and start shooting the creeps. Uh, with, and once you've pelted the creeps with that, then you swap to your machine gun and shoot. And by the time that's cooling down, uh, you can swap back to your sniper rifle. And so you're actually juggling uh, with the whole time you're trying to keep an eye on what's getting through your defenses. What do you actually need to be shooting at? Because when you're dealing with, you know, three or four different uh, enemy types, probably your maze is going to be good at shooting two or three of them. In which case, you need to be directing your fire on the ones that are probably going to get through. It really does feel like it's growing. Um, which is, which is you know, a great feeling to have because it really, you know, make, keeps the ennui at bay. You know, it makes you feel like you're not wasting your time. You're constantly being tested. And I'm, I'm a bit disappointed to hear that um, Anomaly doesn't necessarily have that. Yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm hoping that as as I play it a bit more, because uh, I just reached a point where you transition to a different part of the game. I'm hoping that it opens up a bit, uh, but mm. but right now it definitely it definitely falls into that trap common to a lot of tower defense games where they have created their 15 minutes of fun, and then they iterate on it very closely. Yeah. Um, but it's it and, and yes, exactly. It's that. What you want is is to be continually challenged. You want the game to, you know, the moment you feel you've you've mastered the system, you want a new wrinkle thrown into it, uh, mm. to, you know, to force you to to adapt. Um, and that's, I mean, if if Sanctum does that, that's that's fantastic. Now, Sanctum also has a multiplayer component, does it not? It does. It offers two player co op with uh, four player co op down the line, uh, which was something I never got the opportunity to test. Uh, well, I say I didn't get the opportunity; I just didn't get around to it. Um, but I've heard from everybody that it is actually really, really entertaining to be sort of, uh, you know, manning the defenses with a friend and to be designing, uh, you know, a maze with a friend. And, uh, once I get, once they get four player co-op in there, because Coffee Stone Studios, the people behind Stanktum have said that they're going to be implementing new enemies, new towers, new guns, uh, and they're also going to be implementing four player co-op. And I think that'll just be awesome. You know, like four of you running around and like watching as one of you falls down into the pits below and it's trampled by monsters. That sounds great. Well, right, and I think it offers a way to perhaps enliven other, uh, you know, sort of throwaway game modes that have gotten tedious. I think, you know, how many shooters have a version of Horde mode, for instance? Yeah, exactly. uh, Where it's just, you know, deal with wave after wave of enemies, and, you know, that's you know that's terrific fun if you're, if you're playing with a good group of people, but I, I think it, it always ends up, it always pales after a bit. Uh, but, yeah, but employing a mechanic like you find in Sanctum, uh, that that could that could make those that could extend the life of those of those modes that experience uh, to be something much richer than sort of the well you know what what do you guys want to do well let's let's kill things for ninety minutes you know mm. well certainly I think I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of gamers these days were getting perhaps a little tired and I think I can, you can see it in some places of of not necessarily just wanting to go online and kill things with their friends but I think. Um, uh, nobody has, you know, been making noises about being tired of building things with their friends. I think 
you know, you, you see the amount of people that play Minecraft online and it's it's always something that people are really excited about. You know, my my friend plays Minecraft online with his girlfriend and they just build things together and that's fantastic. And I think I think that's an element of tower defense games which hasn't necessarily been tapped yet, you know. And uh, Pixel Junk Monsters did it and Sanctum does it. But um, I, I don't know, what about, a, what about a tower defense game where, you know, the two of you can only build two very different types of tur- turrets? You know, maybe one of you can only build anti-air and one of you can only build, uh, you know, defensive ground turrets in a game like Sanctum. That could be really satisfying, really being forced to work together to try and integrate your two um, defenses. Right, or something like Portal, where there's places where you that you that one person can't access, that somebody else has to deal deal, deal with it for you. Mm, yeah, I, I I just think yeah, no, cooperative building is uh, is just this this fantastic uh, experience, which I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of because uh, just because so many developers seem to be well re- realizing the interest, realizing there's so much interest in it. And I think that's absolutely a way that uh, that God. It's it's funny, isn't it? How few multiplayer tower defense games there are. I'm really struggling to think of many. I mean, just they, they pale in comparison to the amount of single player experiences out well, there. Is that a, is that a symptom of what we were talking about earlier? Where it's it's kind of it's a genre that has its roots in being sort of throwaway browser experiences, very casual. Well, yeah, I think you're right. But with something like Defense Grid: The Awakening, you know, where you're. Where, I'm pretty sure, like ninety percent of people who bought Defense Grid would have lost, you know, eight nine hours to that game. You're no longer really talking about a casual experience. It's just, ah, oh, and well, I mean, uh, you, yeah, but you are though, and that's the problem. That's that's the problem I had with that, and that's the the problem I had with with Plants vs Zombies, is that it's it's still it, it's still a very casual experience. Uh, the trouble is, it's a casual experience that that sinks its hooks into you, and you play. Well past the point, I think, where you're getting something out of it. Yeah, it's addictive. That's a word we haven't used, you know, just yet. It is. It is a you know a very addictive um, sort of framework for a game to have, and uh, oh, it's. I think there's something about it just from a. There's something I find slightly embarrassing about it from a, a sort of more philosophical perspective that you are just watching these tiny pathetic creatures run to their death. For no purpose, you know, they never fight back. And I, I, th- I do think that my kind of dream tower defense game would involve creatures, would involve having to repair towers, well, as much as uh, as much as build them. Well, yeah, and that's uh, that's something they sort of hit in Sanctum. Is I, I felt this this sort of rush of disappointment when I was standing in the path of some monsters and they just sort of shoved me out of the way. Oh, dude, that um, shoving is that shoving is vicious, especially when you get a huge horde of monsters that, and you built a really long gully and the monsters just just stampede you and you have no way out but to teleport away yeah but you you always have that escape but there's a part that, that I, I kind of wanted you know I, I knew Sanctum didn't work this way but there's this there's the part of me that wanted them to to fight back because you know I you know I had a gun so damn it they should too yeah uh, that, that that would be my dream tower defense game and I think you know one thing that you know if we're talking about like how you know how the mechanic can be adapted you know we've talked before on this show about how one thing that a lot of war games really don't deal with well is defensive warfare. Um, you know, I think World War One is perhaps the best example. Like, there's a poverty of games about World War One, in part because nobody's really cracked how to make uh, how, how to make trench warfare interesting hmm. from a gameplay perspective. Well, I suppose the only obvious thing that leaps to mind is uh, is the design of the trench, you know, building something efficient and adapting it with a minimum of resources, uh, trying to build something that deflects all comers. 
uh, you were talking about uh, Dream Tower Defense games. I've just got to get this image out of my head while I still remember it. Uh, this idea of the monsters fighting back. I don't know if the monsters necessarily need to fight back, but there is one scene in Starship Troopers which uh, comes to mind. Uh, where they're defend- have you, uh, the the uh, the Starship Troopers movie, you know, uh, the um, the nineties one. Uh, the scene where they're defending a fort in the middle of the desert, and um, they're all standing on the walls and pouring fire down, and there are just thousands upon thousands of bugs. So much so that the bugs end up creating enormous piles of corpses, and then eventually getting into the fort because you've got like these sixty it's a ramp, foot. Yeah, yeah, it's a ramp for them to just go running up, and more than that, there are also like you know. 40 people in there shooting down. I think that kind of massively multiplayer tower defense, or at least massively multiplayer defense, could be really interesting. Uh, it makes me wonder. I think, like, potentially tower defense could just be the precursor to... A, you know, correct me if I'm just going crazy here, but uh, maybe it'll be the precursor to just defense games, you know? Uh, games that just set you up against some... this totally asymmetrical... asymmetric... Uh, NPC force that nobody would necessarily want to play because it's relatively brain dead, but just having to create fortifications and defend against that, defend against overwhelming numbers. Well, and you see, you see the promise of that in something like, um, you know, Call of Duty World at War's uh, zombie mode, or it's in Black Ops as well. But ah. you know, it didn't. It, it's not. It's it's not a tower defense game, but at the same time, you could you can easily make that leap, can't you? You know, where yeah. those moments where you and your friends are like, oh, God, they've broken through that window. And then somebody races over and is trying to repair it while another person is trying to shoot the zombies that come pouring through it. You know, that's, you know, that's, that's, you know, that, that could so easily be adapted to tower defense. There's so much potential there, isn't there? This is, this is kind of exciting. I mean, everybody loves the, uh, you know, the house defense in a game like Resident Evil 4. And everybody, you know, loves that, that zombie defense mode. Everybody, you know, sort of enjoys building together in Minecraft, and and Sanctum is just incredible fun. And yet, uh, yeah, we still haven't quite cracked this. There are no games that are just really doing defense, which is interesting. So there's a game, and I was going, I was going to bring it up later because I, I do want to talk about Toy Soldiers briefly before before we oh, yeah. uh, before we uh. call it a night. But um, th- there was a game. I, I might have read it about it on uh, Rock Paper Shotgun, but I read about just recently a game. A first-person uh, Battle of Verdun game. God, Does really? this ring a bell? Battle of Verdun. Um, you're not thinking about Ace of Spades, are you? I don't think uh, so. No, Ace of Spades is the uh, multiplayer Minecraft alike. It's like World War One, but uh, in a sort of Minecraft engine. Uh, so players build bunkers and, and bridges and sort of um, uh, tunnels and everything else. I hear the sounds of you tapping away in, yeah, the, but uh, I, I can't... in the distance. Yeah, I can't. I can't find it just yet. Um, you know, hopefully, I'll dig it up and be able to link it at the uh, bottom of the podcast. Okay, cool. But uh, so, you know, unless I hallucinated this, which, given how often <laughs> I think about World War One games, it's, it's entirely possible I did. Uh, but I remember, I, I remember reading about how this this game would work. Is that you know the, the the way it would work is is the game opens just before the German offensive uh, sort of swamped the French defenders who were in who were in position. So you you take the part of one of the Frenchmen, and the Germans haven't attacked yet, and you've got you've got a you know a week or so to deploy your fixed defenses. So okay. where the pillbox is going to be, where are uh, you know where the where the trench is going to be, where the dugout's going to be. And so wait, hang on. This is something that you read about, or is this, this is something you dreamed? Oh no, no. I think this is a game. This is a game. I I am certain I've read about. Uh, <laughs> okay, great. And, and it's I'm, first person, you say? Yes. 
Um, okay. So so when the when the attack finally comes after you've you've laid out these defenses, when the attack finally comes, you are you are there as a soldier and you're to sort of navigate it. Uh, and, and you know you you know work with your defenses that you've built to sort of throw back the throw back the German hordes. Okay. And do you have AI soldiers on your side, or is it just you? Presumably. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I remember very little about this game. I can't even remember its name. I think it might have had something, you know, really logical, like Battle of Verdun. Uh, but, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so, so, but, so, at least the way I understand it is, so there's a building phase, and then there's a, the Germans are attacking phase. Um, so, I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's an indie game, almost, you know, it's going to be a very small developer. Uh, but the idea of it is really exciting. That you you know you spend you spend you know a few minutes like frantically trying to create like this ideal World War One death trap, and then you see whether you can make it work. It's it's just such an appealing idea, um, and I yeah I think I think it's the more I think about it you know as of the last half an hour the more I think it's going to become a bigger and bigger you know genre as people start latching onto it. I mean if that zombie de- if you know uh, if <clears throat> the zombie defense mode in Call of Duty takes off in the same way that Horde mode did, uh, did, then, you know, that's just the door opening to eventually whole games taking on that sort of mantle. Uh, oh, well, my word, what was I going to talk about? Uh, sorry, what were you going to say? Well, I was just I was just going to say that, you know, perhaps one of the things, like, you know, when you were talking about Stronghold earlier, is that, you know, one thing that is lacking in a lot of these tower defense games is the idea of, like, a support economy, or something, or something else to be doing, something else to be concerned with besides placing your defenses. It uh, is very much. It is very much kind of you. Bu- you build in one place and then move on, and kind of apparently leave all these constructions behind, or pack them up, or something. Right, and you know, I kind of like the idea of, you know, I mean, I never played uh, Paradox's uh, Fort Zombie, I think it's called, um, but but I always liked the idea of. You know, taking taking the zombie setting and you know the the idea of trying to create sort of a a survivor community. You know, the, yeah. a game that would employ the you know mecha- the mechanics of defense, but then you know all that is to the end of helping your community survive. Hmm. Well, uh, what's that zombie RPG which is currently in development, and it's it's pretty much exactly that. It's uh, uh this. Uh, this is another thing we'll have to link. Um, this sort of isometric game, uh, an RPG whereby you're just trying to amass food and, and survivors in a in a post apocalypse in a after a zombie apocalypse. And it's a, it's about you know building your defenses and, and primarily managing resources. Uh, but in terms of a game that exists, that would be a really easy leap to that. Imagine something like Dead Rising, except instead of just taking survivors back to a safe house, you're taking survivors back to your camp and encouraging them to build defenses of your own design. You know, in certain places. Right, and then and then you get sort of that, you know, it's it's a bit of a a castle game, right? Where it's like, you know, are are my defenders fat? Do they have ammunition? You know, do mm-hmm. they? You know, have we have we created? Have we turned raw materials into the barbed wire and you know stake pits that are keeping us alive? <laughs> I think this is this is just it's one of those ideas that would just. I mean, I think if you got a group of of geeks together anywhere in the world and you put this idea in front of them, they would immediately excitedly start designing it. That's how much appeal the idea has. And, you know, even what makes me wonder is that, you know, Notch is currently working on a single-player campaign for the full release of Minecraft. Or at least, you know, that's the the last I heard of it. And what what shape is that going to take? Because if Minecraft's a building game, then, you know, there's a good chance Notch could be working on something like what we're talking about right now. 
you know, something about building castles against against enemies or building walls or trenches or, or Lord knows what else. But really, uh, we should probably mention Ace of Spades uh, before we wrap up. Um, did you are you aware of it, or did you read about it on Rock Paper Shotgun at all? No, I've not. Okay, well, Ace of Spades. This is this is this. Well, now it's completely relevant. It wasn't when we started talking about tower defense, but it is uh, it is now. Uh, Ace of Spades is an indie game which uh, is is uh, it is just Minecraft in terms of its engine. You know, you run around and you have a pickaxe and a shovel, and you can chop away cubes and put them down. Uh, the setting's a little more drab than Minecraft, and also it's it's a multiplayer game. It's Battlefield. It's it's uh, sixteen player versus sixteen player capture the flag on huge maps, and so every player gets a rifle and a few grenades, uh, and you know you can run off and try and get the flag, but mostly players uh, spend time just building bunkers. You you dig out uh, trenches. You uh, you get pillboxes, and you can change the color of blocks so you can do devious things like paint your pillboxes in the same color as uh, as you know. Uh, as the surrounding hillsides, or you can go sneaking over to the enemy base, find where their pillbox is, um, and no enemies will ever go above their own pillbox. So if you just drop a red cube on top of it, then all of your side will be able to see exactly where their pillboxes are. Outstanding. Yeah, or you can tunnel from one side of the map all the way to the other, which is horrible because the default cube size is so much smaller than Minecraft that it's an incredibly claustrophobic experience. <laughs> oh my god, I, had a, uh, I was at a barbecue recently with a bunch of hardcore Ace of Space players, and they were telling me about... Just the worst possible stuff, the tricks in that game. Like, okay, so let's say you build a tunnel towards the enemy base. Okay. Uh, on, on your side, you will want um, a maze. So if any so any enemies can't use that tunnel to get back to you, uh, the very last thing, if enemies are running, towards that, running through that tunnel towards your end of the map, uh, the last thing they should encounter is a maze that will leave them trapped. So they go running the whole length of the tunnel and then lose themselves in, in, the, in the map. And the way you do that, they were saying, is you build, just build a crazy maze. But you don't actually give it a solution. What you do is you take the rightmost path, and then when that reaches a dead end, you just knock the dirt away, and that's your path. So they build a maze and then block up the solution, and only they know where to dig underground to uh, to finally break out of the maze. Oh my god. Yeah, that's that's the level at which the player base is working. But you know, and the developer is, I think, talking about. I mean, God, he worked. He threw this. He created this thing in two weeks. And I think at Rock Paper Shotgun, we were the first guys to cover it, and we just destroyed all of the guys' servers. But he's recovered now. And, uh, you know, they're up to version, like, 0.32 now, and he's talking about adding barbed wire, and I can't remember what else. But, yeah, this is exactly it. It's players building defenses and bridges, and, and it has rudimentary physics as well, which Minecraft doesn't have. So you can knock away the supports of a bridge and watch it go falling into the river below. Uh, yeah, no, it's a fantastic game. Uh, any, any of you guys listening to this should uh, should check it out. Uh, we'll, we'll put a link to... Um, to the RPS articles because this is something that more people should know about because yeah it is it's it's first person defense is exactly what we were saying oh this is great I feel like I feel like I've enlightened uh, I've enlightened people now uh, yeah definitely yeah, I, it completely it completely uh, flown beneath my radar yeah Ace of Spades uh, the I don't even think I, I think the guy's main website got destroyed and so he now just has a plain text HTML site uh, kicking around somewhere yeah but we'll we'll get all the links for that up uh, man no that's awesome need to need to. Uh, keep talk, get people talking about this because it's just a fantastic project. So, but it, but it does seem like, you know, all our ideas for sort of like deepening uh, the the, you know, the, the not, perhaps not a, the genre is not the appropriate term, but uh, you know, deepening games that use this mechanic, it, it all seems to come back to, uh, you know, making the player personally responsible for something. Turn, you know, leaning more heavily on the action side of things as opposed to, uh, you know, creating a, you know, more demanding strategy game to go along with it 
Mm, I, I, I think there's room for both, but I certainly think that the, the idea of a first-person uh, perspective is is just more... There's more instant appeal there. Um, I don't think I'm wrong in saying that. You know, just sort yeah. of putting you on the ground, lowering you, uh, makes everything seem more exciting. You know, it makes enemies seem bigger. It makes your, your construction seem bigger. It also, you know, just... I, I suppose it makes it feel more like a world that you're protecting rather than just this abstract landscape. Well, right, and I, I think for... You know, for the for the appeal of these games, for for sort of the way they sell themselves, it's very natural to to make the next the next step be about you know taking charge of the weapons with your own your own two hands and you know doing that as opposed to you know layering in more strategic nuance. I think that's one of the reasons the genre exists is people kind of ran from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wanted the pleasure of a strategy game without the without the hard work. And so it makes total sense that, you know, in, rather than trying to sort of reintroduce strategy to the tower defense game, what pe- what what's been most successful, most appealing, is putting the player in charge of one of the towers, you know, or you know, turning the player into a mobile tower, as in the case of Sanctum. Yeah, I think uh, it's. I feel like uh, this is a bit crazy in that we're taking this genre which has incredible casual appeal and, and desperately trying to make it, you know, more hardcore and more strategic and more exciting and, and really, you know, I don't know how many tower defense developers are going to be that interested in that when they can make so much money doing what they do. Um, but, uh, you know, this is... You had talked about your, your ideal tower defense game earlier and so did I, but I'm wondering now if I would actually like a tower defense game where all the towers are in place... And you're just some some tiny set upon engineer who has to run around repairing them, kind of bringing these things online, and perhaps some kind of uh, some kind of I'm just thinking out loud now, but uh, some kind of, of tense mini game uh, to do with sort of reactivating the electronic circuits in these things and bringing them online briefly, and then running from place to place. This is just me me taking my own sort of uh, a preference for really bleak games and uh, applying it to tower defense. You know, something where the tower defense is the towers have all been built for you, and that you just have to. Try and switch them on and keep the network running. Your, jo- your job is to prevent their inevitable decay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is well, I think much... I think that game is Dead Space, isn't it? No. Uh, um. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you want to, you wanted to talk about Toy Soldiers? We should we should we should get around to that. You know, I'm not sure there's actually a, a great deal to say about Toy Soldiers that we haven't already said, but you know, Toy Soldiers is you know it's it's a game I really enjoy, and the, you know I enjoy it despite the fact that in many ways it's very traditional tower defense game uh with you know the 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 wrinkle in that case is uh you know that you can take direct control of some of the weapons yeah Uh, but for me it's i mean for me it's all setting uh that that it's a this this bizarre mix of a really beautifully rendered like world war one battlefield (laughs) but then the conceit is they're all toy soldiers and you're defending your toy box and you're basically in a child's playroom uh, I, I strongly suspect that that conceit is basically a way to get away with putting chemical weapons in a game. <laughs> I don't I don't know if they thought, uh, you know, first of all, we want to make a game with chemical weapons. How can we go about that? I feel like maybe, prob- I don't know, the, the toy soldier seems like the stronger, the, th- the stronger theme there. You know, maybe they realized they had toy soldiers and then they could put mustard gas in there. You know, but see, but the problem is, I think when you when you're down there and you're playing it, I, I think most of these, I don't find the game looks very much like Toy Soldiers at all. Well, no, I mean, there's all that that smog and everything is you know dark green and brown. It's like it it is the the 
It is definitely the bleakest game about toys that I've ever played. It's, uh, yeah, it's which so is why, dark. Which is why I think the game is actually the game is about World War One, and <laughs> it's toy soldiers because World War One makes everybody miserable. Uh, <laughs> it is a miserable thing to contemplate for more than five mu- five minutes. Yeah. Uh, no, so. It's... You know, here the game is, oh, don't worry, it's all toy soldiers. You're not really mowing down, you know, Jerry at the sum. You're <laughs> you're just playing in a child's playroom uh, with Maxim machine guns and mustard gas. Yeah, you're playing in a child's playroom with a dry ice machine in the corner and like a, you know, a, a, oh God, a vinyl, you know, old records playing in the corner with a needle skipping half the time. It's, right, but it's... I mean, but see, all this stuff, I mean, I just adore this about the game. I love, I love the music. I love the period music, the scratchy sound of it, the, yeah. uh, I yeah. like all the, I, I love all the toy box designs, you know, like, um, you know, I think you get them on loading screens sometimes or sometimes you're in the yeah, background. Yeah, you, you see little like box... toy boxes that these troops were shipped in. Yeah, with those incredible, with the incredible writing on it, and you know, like saying, you know, a, a nice toy for boys, four shillings or something. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've I've totally lost. Uh, this is. Uh, I've 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 lost my English credibility now because it's going to turn out four shillings is enough to buy a house, and and I don't know anything about old <laughs> currency. Oh dear. But, but yeah, the art design of that game is is phenomenal it, and and really. Dull. I actually stopped playing it because it was just it was. It, I found it really quite crushing. I got up to the level where you get the uh, tank and just and it just the whole thing was just quite sad. <laughs> like I I wasn't getting any pleasure out of it anymore. Yeah, I think that was a game that sort of the the harder it got and the more overwhelmed I felt, the the more frustrated I became. Yeah, certainly um, to begin with, when you're just dropping machine gun. You know, emplacements and watching them kind of do their work. It's 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 fun in that traditional tower defense sense, right? But but later on, it definitely becomes much more. Well, it's it's very cruel, right? Where, you know, these defenses that are that have been so effective at keeping people out, so that your weapons can do their work. You know, here comes an armored vehicle, and it just rolls over your defenses. You know, it yeah. just ignores most of them. So you, you know, now the game. Basically, cease like you basically have to on the fly, uh, and rarely it's rare that you can actually adjust in the middle of a game. You pretty much have to, and this is something I, I often hate in games. You have to know exactly what's coming and what you have to do if you're to have any hope of dealing with it. Yeah, which is definitely a, a fairly massive flaw in, in in tower defense that you need to sort of push forward until you find that that correct placement, that sort of neat plan, and then attempt the level again. Um, but I'm not sure how much can be done with that aside from, you know, adding dynamic enemies. I'm not sure. But Toy Soldiers is, you know, another one of those games where I looked and I thought, you know, if there was a way where they, if they could somehow create sort of an interesting second half of this equation where, you know, after I've defended my trench enough, somehow there's, there's an interesting way to play the counterattack. Uh, but... You know, I mean, again, you you know, this is this is the classic problem with World War One. There's nothing particularly interesting about you know sending a bunch of guys over the top and just hoping they reach their objective. Well, there's going to be something something wrong there because sending a bunch of guys over the top. I mean, in a sense, it's the most dramatic thing in the whole world. And if that doesn't seem exciting, then I feel like there's there's room in this world for a game where uh, whereby you know you have where part of the game is sending guys over the top and at which, at which point you lose control at which point it's just watching well kind did of... you did you play um oh god this is this is an armor games flash game uh rock paper shotgun highlighted it 
a year or so ago. It's like Real Warfare 1916 or something. Uh, no, I don't think so. World War One Medic? No. Yes, was, it was. Oh, oh was that? <laughs> yeah, that's that's an interesting one. Uh, no, 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 uh, the, uh, no. It was, it was called no. It's called Warfare 1916, 1917. Oh, okay, right, all right. I uh, no, I think I missed that. Was it? Is it? What was that game about? Well, it was. You know, it's not. A, it wasn't a tower defense game per se, but it was interesting to see. Um, you, you were looking at the trench lines um, from the side. So you've got No Man's Land in the center of your screen, and to the left and right, you've got these little trench lines. And, you know, Germans enter from the right, um, English enter from the left, they run to the nearest trench line, then they run to the next, and then they charge out and meet in the middle. Okay. And the levels, you know, mix it up by introducing different units and different abilities to each side. And they also change the uh, positions of the trenches. Uh, so sometimes you'll, you, you will have, like, one home trench, and then you'll be trying to take three lines of enemy trenches. But okay. the, the, interesting, the interesting thing about it is, you know, as much as a, you know, little flash game can, it, it sort of got at that, it, it sort of got at that thrill of sending, you know, sending everyone over the top, where your, your trick was to ride out the enemy counterattacks... And then at the moment they were weak, and the reinforcements are always coming. You're always just seconds away from seeing another group of soldiers appear and, you know, take positions in the trenches. So just that brief window of opportunity after you've weathered the storm, then you send everyone out of the trenches and pouring across no man's land to try to take take ground from the enemy. <laughs> and is it horrible to watch? Is it, is it sort of upsetting somehow? Not really. I mean, it's it's outrageously frustrating to see every soldier like <laughs> mowed down, uh, uh, you know, okay. short of the objective. But but no. But the reason I bring it up is, you know, it was an example of of someone finding a way to make trench warfare tactically interesting to to make you know, to to make the act of sending guys you know over the top in you know into no man's land uh, just a headlong charge at an objective to make that somehow more interesting than the foregone conclusion that trench warfare often seems to be. Right, okay. Hmm. I'm wondering now what the video game fix... I mean, you know, the entirely hypothetical video game fix would be for World War One. You know, how would game designers make uh, World War One more interesting? And I'm wondering if there should be some uh, objective in the dead center of No Man's Land that would boost your, uh, you know, your population cap or something. That could be it. Um, I, I know that you know in more Grognardi war games, uh, what what tends to be the solution is more focus on the support services that sort of drive offenses, uh, su- uh, that drive offensives. Okay, so you're really half playing the game on the uh, on the sort of on the trench side of things, and half playing it sort of back at home and trying to determine, trying to maximize your sort of economy. Right, because you know, like this game I was just talking about, like Real uh, Warfare nineteen sixteen or uh, whatever the hell it is. God, I badly prepped for this show. I apologize <laughs> to the listeners. <laughs> we have now three unidentified games uh, that have played major roles in this in this episode. Uh, but but the thing it the thing it got across is that making the successful push is all about making sure that all the pieces are in place at the critical moment that you can deliver them to the point of attack. Mm. And that's and that's really World War 1 combat in a lot of ways, right? Is is making sure that, you know, the artillery is, has done its job and not run out of ammunition, that you have, you know, enough men in that sector 
to push through you know the you know the hell these guys are going to be marching through um that's you know that's that's how most uh, war games have sort of dealt with the dealt with the problem of trench warfare. They basically don't focus on what's happening on the battlefield. They focus on the delivery of resources to the ba- to the battlefield. Okay, I'm trying to think now about how if if we could apply any of these lessons to sort of a tower defense game, like a, a versus tower defense game, where uh, uh, whereby you know two players are constructing lines of towers and also sending creeps at one another, of which there have been a few, but. Uh, but I'm I'm so woefully inexperienced. Uh, uh, with I don't think I've played a single one of that, that type of game that uh, I couldn't possibly comment. Uh, but there are a few of them, and uh, oh God, at the risk of adding another uh, unnameable game to our list, uh, there was a game released on Steam which was side on and had uh, two players controlling forts and then sending troops towards one another. Christ, no, I'm useless tonight. Oh dear. Well, we do good. have you recording in the dead of night. Yeah, no, it's true. I think it's about you know like four a.m. over here in England, and and you know, and I've just I've run out of tea, and it, no, it's all tough. You you wouldn't believe how tough it is over here. It's it sounds tragic. Yeah, it's awful. So, what conclusions have we come to about tower defense then? What, what have we? Because you know, I started off wanting to defend the genre, and now I'm all over the place. Now I'm talking about how to improve it, and now I'm talking about a defense genre, and. Uh, well, I think I think if if we've proven one thing, it's that conceiving of this as a genre, despite the fact people keep making games as if there's a tower defense genre, it really is a mechanic that needs other things to make it interesting. Yes, uh, or at least interesting for uh, for you know slightly more hardcore gamers like us. I think yeah, no, I I I'm too excited about about what uh, tower defense and, and sort of cooperative defense games could become, and especially so cooperative building games could become uh, to sort of to strike off tower defense because you know these games are incredibly satisfying, and it would be ridiculous to not take that lesson and apply it to uh, to a, a more um, a more flexible kind of framework. Uh, you know, something that doesn't just have us placing uh, have, have us placing towers, but also blocks and walls and and everything, and I, th- I think Sanctum is a sort of first step along with that, and I would, I would definitely recommend people uh, try out the demo, which is uh, on Steam at the minute. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely highly recommended. I am a little more reserved about uh, Anomaly Warzone Earth, uh, obviously, but but Sanctum is <laughs> Sanctum is definitely a winner. Yes, as is Ace of Spades. Those are the two games that people should uh, should the two names that rather that people should go away uh, remembering. Ace of Spades is free. I should add, it's uh, it's freeware, um, and uh, anybody can get involved and desperately try and connect to a server. And if you succeed, you should have fun uh, throwing up bunkers and uh, digging trenches with friends. And perhaps you know that's that's our big takeaway: is that tower defense games. There's there's enjoyable spectacle. They're easy to get into, but. The big opportunity is somehow combining it with the joys of building games. Yeah, I think really dropping towers just pales. It's just just this uh, very accessible version of what really I think anybody would rather be doing, which is designing something, uh, you know, more complex. Dropping towers is really an entry point to, to engineering, I suppose. Well, I mean, it's like it's like when you were a kid and you and your friends were trying to create snow forts, and Mm. you always had in your head what what a snow fort could be and the reality the reality was always paled in comparison but there's always this idea that you know like wouldn't it be great if we created some sort of elaborate death trap for our enemies yeah. um, and how would we go about building it and i, I think, think 
if if tower defense games could sort of re could sort of allow us to access that sort of creativity, uh, it'd be a they'd be much more engaging. Absolutely, I think that's really the uh, interesting problem. I'm going to look forward to game developers having to solve over the next few years is how to uh, fix the incompetence of the general gamer uh, as a builder and try and allow them to effortlessly throw up exactly what's in their heads. All right, and that will do it for our show tonight. Uh, Quinns, thank you so much for coming and uh, holding this one together. Hey, no, thank you very much. I, uh, I had fun, and now I'm excited about tower defense again, which uh, strikes me as the best possible conclusion. Excellent. I hope you'll come back soon. Uh, hopefully. Yeah, take care, man. Take care.